Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolaro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed on all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us no matter how you join us, whether it is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. And we got a good show for you tonight. We will be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. And I'm not going to lie, guys, tonight's going to be pretty um, interesting because obviously there's not too much going on in the sports world. Uh, there's no more football. We have a couple football stories. Brian Flores did actually get a job in the NFL, despite currently having little litigation against the NFL going. Uh, he is uh, a new defensive assistant slash linebackers co coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have that. Uh, apparently, um, the whole sports world is captivated by what is going on with Aaron Rodgers and whether or not he will be retiring, demanding a trade, or returning to the Green Bay Packers. So we have that. Basketball, of course, took its annual All-Star break this past weekend. We had All-Star game festivities uh, throughout the weekend, the Rising Stars competition Friday night, the uh, the three-point shootout, the slam dunk contest, the skills competition on Saturday night. Uh, Sunday was a very nice moment during the uh, halftime of the All-Star game. Uh, we saw the celebration for the NBA's 75th anniversary list that we had talked about uh, a couple months ago when it was first released. Michael Jordan made the big entrance at the end. Uh, so we have all that. And the baseball world, we are waiting to see what is going on. Um, uh, apparently, uh, the Players Association and the union thought after three months, it was finally a good idea to start having week-long negotiations, which we are currently in the middle of right now. And doesn't look like any progress has been made towards starting uh, the baseball season. Uh, hockey, I'm not going to pretend to know what is going on with hockey. Um, but we, we do have that. But let, let's be honest, in terms of the realm of the sports we usually cover on this show, not a whole lot going on, but I am still sure we'll be able to figure out a way to make a good show of it. Uh, once Dave and Eric come on here, I'm going to start talking about a couple things here. Now, this is normally the spot when I am waiting for Dave and Eric to come on, uh, where I talk about stuff going on with the Mets. I'm not actually going to do that tonight. Uh, what I'm going to do, actually, because I just found this out a little while ago, so I'm going to bring this up to start off the show. If Eric is the first one to come on, maybe we will delve into it a little bit uh, with him, get his thoughts on it. Uh, but I'm, I'm actually going to talk about the Yankees to start off the show uh, because I just found out that Paul O'Neill will have his jersey number retired uh, this coming season. And it's, it's interesting to me because I, I can't remember when it was. We, I feel like it was maybe a year, year and a half ago. We were talking about the Angels and why, despite having two of the best players in baseball in uh, Shohei Otani and uh, Mike Trout, 
They they've never seemingly been able to compete throughout Trout's career. Of course, Otani has only been an angel for the last few years. We talked about the way they were built, and we started talking about the Yankees a little bit in terms of their spending habits and how they had to curb those spending habits and actually try to develop an actual farm system, a feeder line for their organization, which is something the Angels simply have not been able to do. And I had mentioned that I felt like the downfall of the Yankees dynasty really happened when they went from a philosophy of homegrown players and supplementing them with um, your big ticket items at the time, which of course is vastly different than what we have now. Um, and I felt like when they went away from that approach, that's really when the dynasty ended. Well, one of the players who really exemplified the approach that led the Yankees to that dynasty. Hmm. There we go. Is Paul O'Neill. And Paul O'Neill apparently is going to have his jersey retired this year. And I think that is awesome. And now that he's here, we welcome Eric Tressler to the proceedings tonight. Eric, how you doing? Pain in there. Pain in there. How's the puppy? My back. Yeah, puppy's excellent. Puppy's the only thing keeping me happy. Very uh, nice. Very nice. Everything else is, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I actually, I, I thought I was going to start this in one direction. I want to start this in another direction because I'm happy for you being happy with the puppy. I have to start this off with something because, you know, um, I, I have a smart TV now and I have a Roku, so I get to watch Hulu and YouTube and all this stuff on a big screen TV for the first time in years, which is nice and everything. But you get all the ads that come with it. And I, I have to say this, and I'm interested in your opinion, because I, I brought this up in the group text a while ago. I'm sick of dog commercials. I'm sick of dog movies. I'm sick of all this crap that makes it, it. They all have the same formula where they establish, oh, it's a cute dog. And I say this because, you know, the Super Bowl commercial with that electronic dog thing that would come out to whatever song was playing and, you know, leaps from the building and everything. And, you know, they establish it's a cute dog and everything. The cute dog is sad. Something happens to the dog. And then at the end, everything's happy. I, I'm sick of these goddamn dog commercials. What do you say? Um, I say the only dog commercial that I absolutely hate is the one where Sarah McLaughlin sings and it breaks my heart because anybody who knows me knows how much of a fan of mid nineties female singers I am. So the fact that that <laughs> song is associated with such a sad, sad commercial, like I have to turn the channel outside of that. Um, I, I still have like cable uh, on top of some streaming services. So like most of where the TV I watch is cable and most of what I watch, I DVR, for the simple fact of commercials are the bane of my existence. I hate them with every fiber yes. of my being. Absolutely. So because, of, because of that, I have a DVR, which allows me to fast forward through said commercials. So I haven't had the pleasure of seeing as many dog commercials as you have. But like I said, the only one that comes to my mind that I can vividly remember always makes me sad because it makes me sad on two levels. It makes me sad because of the dogs, obviously. The two it makes me sad that that's such a beautiful song is associated with such a sad dog commercial because that is a beautiful song by Sarah McLaughlin. What is it? Eyes, eyes of an angel or something like that. I know the one you talk arms of an angel. There it is. There it oh, is. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely stunning. I mean, I don't know. I, I tell my wife this all the time. Every one of my friends knows it. Mid nineties, female singers. I'm telling you, I will go toe to toe with you with any other genre. You take the nineties females 
they that was the best decade of music for women of all time. And I will go toe to toe with any other decade anybody wants to go toe to toe with. That is the greatest decade of women's music there is on uh, like ever ever created. I did not know you felt that passionately about 90s female oh, singer, yeah. singers before. Oh, 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 we could get into a whole debate about well, it. Well, I, t- I tell you what, let's, let's, let's hold that for a second because we have to welcome Dave Hastings to the program tonight. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. And uh, I also did not know Eric's passion for 90s female singer, singers, <laughs> but I will, I will, I will say I, I think we did, uh, as, a, as the three of us as a whole, I think we did get to grow up during arguably the best generation of music in general so absolutely absolutely and i will say i will say this before we go back to eric because i would like an expansion on this but um i think we are blessed because not only did we have the music that came out in the 90s but i I don't know if it was the same thing for you guys as it was for me because i had my parents I was exposed to so many different things, whether it was classic rock, Beatles, my dad, I got Motown and doo-wop stuff from him and just everything. And then you're getting the current stuff that was coming out in the 90s. You don't you don't get that much of a cross section in music where you're bombarded with so many different things today as you were back then. Yeah, I agree to disagree though a little bit because if you think about it, the music that like you were talking about, where your dad was introducing your doo wop and classic rock and other things, you think about that, that was 20 or 30 years prior to the 90s. Where if you look now, most of the kids now, 20 to 30 years prior to now, is the early 90s. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I I will. So that just far back as their music really goes now. Is that yeah. far because anything further, like, yeah, they're not getting into the Beatles and classic rock and everything and doo-wop and stuff the same that they did, the same that we did. But it, I think it, they are still following and still know about, like, older music. It's just not necessarily the oldies music that we may know. But that that's what I mean, though, because this generation, I can tell you right now, I've worked pretty closely with this generation over the last few years. They do not go out and explore history. And I think that that is lost because you got I think you guys know I, I like looking up stuff from the past. That was that was stuff that I did when I was younger and everything. So, you know, we all got cl- like classic rock. I mean, Eric, you just said it best. Classic rock for today's youth is like Foo Fighters, which I nothing against the Foo Fighters and everything. But we don't look at that as like classic rock. That is classic rock for today's no, 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 youth you and everything. Out, I look at, no, 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 I'm going to correct you on something. I look okay. at the Foo Fighters and specifically David Grohl as the greatest rock and roll artist, or maybe one of the greatest artists of our entire generation, if not the. Oh, I love David Grohl. I'm not going to take that oh, away from no, you. I'm I agree. He's going to be, in my opinion, he's going to be a three-time minimum three-time <laughs> uh, rock and Hall roll of fame? fan. He's already in for Nirvana. He's already in for Foo Fighters. And I'm telling you, he's going to get in for just himself as Dave Grohl. Um, he's phenomenal. I mean, uh, everything he does, he's played with everybody from Sesame Street to Bruce Springsteen to country artists. I mean, you name it, he's played with him. He's phenomenal, can play any any instrument, can sing, can do everything, writes music. I mean, he is the quintessential rock star of our generation. In my opinion, he is the biggest rock star of our generation. But you, 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 you get the... You get the point I'm making, though. Like, that's the oldest that people will... The point I was making is that's the oldest that kids of today would really 
uh, venture out to. They wouldn't venture out to like 70s, 80s, 60s, 50s, stuff like that. You know what I mean? I think they might venture to the 80s, but only because their parents would probably have a, would be influencing them with music from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And David Grohl has always Same just seemed we like were. the... Ch- yeah. I'll, all right, but I'm just saying I feel like something is lost. But David Grohl has always just seemed to me like the chillest person on the face of the planet. I love David Grohl. Um, Dave, what do you say? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to leave you out. Want me to go with that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I didn't want to leave you out there because, all right, make it, I, I, you got to do a quick, Eric, but like favorite 90s female singer. I don't have one. It's it's a genre for me. I'm telling you, mid '90s specifically is where I like to focus because you have like that everything from Mariah Carey to Alanis Morissette and Jewel, and like, there's just so much great, beautiful women's music that was done at that time. I, I I can't I can't stress enough. I can't pick one. I can't I can't pick just one. I can I can sit here and go. Well, I can literally do a four hour show at least minimum just on this topic alone. So I don't want to waste our time with it. Just know <laughs> that my knowledge of mid-90s female singers is extensive and deep, and I'm willing to talk about it if you guys really want to get into it. At a <laughs> well, you know, depending on how the baseball season goes, you might have to do that to fill a half hour at some point. But we'll save that. We'll save that. Um, all right, so we have everybody here. Um, obviously, it was a slow sports week in terms of news. No football. We only have a couple football stories to talk about. No real basketball because we had the All-Star Weekend. I guess we could talk a little bit about that. Dave, I'm sure you were watching some of the stuff. I know I watched some of the stuff. To me, the only real moment of the All-Star Weekend that I really enjoyed was seeing the introductions of the 75th anniversary team this weekend. I don't know if you feel differently on that one. I mean, honestly, I actually didn't get to watch a single moment of All-Star Weekend because uh-huh. I had this streaming service that I use that gives you live television. The, two, the only two stations that play sports that it doesn't stream are TNT and TBS. So oh, that sucks. So I literally didn't get to, I tried and I was like, oh, right, doesn't have it. And like the effort to stream it illegally is just, it's a royal headache and I didn't have the energy or patience for it. So, um with that said, though, I got to see most a bunch of the highlights. Um, the whole 75th anniversary team thing was uh, really good. Um, I thought it was funny seeing Kevin Garnett and when they announced Ray Allen, the face he made. <laughs> um, Michael Jordan showing up. I know a lot of people weren't sure if he would. So I thought that was interesting. And then to not have Scottie Pippen show up because he's still mad at Michael about the last dance. That's kind of yeah. funny to me as well. Um to see Jordan, though, he looked I, – I don't know if I've ever seen Jordan look more relaxed and having more fun than he did um, this weekend from what I, what I did get to see. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was definitely cool. Uh, he looked like a little kid when he got to see Jerry West. Um, so you can tell that's somebody he really looks up to. Um, you nice know, moment they, with him and LeBron, I thought. Yep, that's where I was going next. I mean – Oh, I apologize. Bit. LeBron, the moment with him and uh, Luca, uh, and then it basically from the video looks like as soon as Carl Anthony Towns walks up, he's like trying to get the hell out of Dodge. So I don't know if that's <laughs> just video or what. Um, the dunk contest once again, royal disappointment to the point where uh, what was it? 
was it Kareem? One of the old school big men, like literally got up and left in the middle of the dunk contest. Uh, <laughs> so it tells you how bad that's starting to get. I really like the idea of just bringing in these no name guys off the street that do dunk contests all year round. Like, screw it. Why the hell not? Um, no, what they got to do is just limit the attempts. If you can't make the dunk on the first or second attempt, you're done. Like, it shouldn't be 47 attempts at a shitty dunk. To, to, you know, to get one ooh and ah. I'm sorry. This It's like too many trick shot artists. I got to be honest. And, and I, I blame YouTube and shit like that for this. Because you look at these guys and a guy will put down an amazing dunk on YouTube and all five million views. You know how many chances and, and, and times it took him to make that dunk? He was standing at that court probably for three weeks straight recording himself until he got it one time. And he blew up online. You know, but everybody makes it seem like, oh, my God, like these, tra- you know, like let's bring in these guys. They're going to be so much better. They're not. It's still an amazing amount of skill it takes to dunk a basketball. I, nobody gets it. I don't care how much these high flyers and other dunk contests are getting it. Yeah, they get it sometimes. They don't get it every time. So you're going to run into the same problem. I think the problem is you have to limit the attempts. And listen, I know you want to shoot for the moon, but if you can't make it, get a dunk you can make. I'm sorry, I know, but and again, by the time you're 30, 40 years into what, what are we at least 30 years into the dunk contest now? That at when, least. You're this, when you're this deep into it, how many different dunks are there? We've seen just about everything you can dunk uh, every which way you could dunk a basketball by now. So I'm sorry, there's really not a new twist you're gonna do jumping over a car, doing this, doing that. It's all been done. So just go down and lay out something awesome that we all can cheer about. I, I, I don't understand it. That's a, that's where I'm at. Limit the amount of attempts. One, maybe two. Like, if you want one mulligan throughout your entire dunk competition, like all the different rounds, fine, one mulligan. But if you can't land it, guess what? You're out. Next guy up. I don't care if the dunk contest take te- takes 10 minutes. That's the other problem you have is they let them go for 47 attempts because they got to fill 57 different commercial spots. Because they got to make sure they sell enough. Because God forbid they have a 10 minute long dunk contest. They got to make sure they stretch it for an hour and a half. Let's all be honest. Like, in the NBA is part of the problem here. And it's because it's too commercialized now. It was something fun back in the day. It's now no longer fun. This weekend really isn't fun. Kind of bullshit to me. It kind of bullshit to me when you got guys like Carl Anthony Towns winning a three point contest. When you guys got when you got guys like Steph Curry in the league who aren't even in the competition, I'm sorry, you're you're not beating the best, so I don't consider you the best. I I I lose it. I lose it a little bit. You used to get more stars in the dunk competition, but I got to be honest. I I heard this the other day, and I kind of have to agree because I'm thinking back, and there used to be some pretty decent stars in the dunk contest. Ever since LeBron declined, way back when. The stars have stopped showing up because they realize, oh shit, we don't have to say yes to that anymore. And once well, you do that, now we're getting guys. Now we're getting guys like, oh, and listen, I'm a Knicks fan, but getting guys like Obi Toppin, who's barely getting minutes in the dunk contest, getting guy who won it. You know, they're getting other guys who, you know, you you, you don't know from Adam. You might as well be pulling them from YouTube because you don't know their names anyway. You don't really play. They're just guys who can jump and leap really high, which is great. Don't get me wrong. You need that to dunk. But at the same time, I don't understand the point of this competition anymore. Or really this weekend. It's not fun. It's not fun for the players, really. It's not fun for us. And that, the top 75 list is bullshit anyway, so we don't even got to get into that. 
But I mean, come on. It's all spectacle. Everybody that wants to make it a spectacle. The NFL one sucks. They should get rid of it. The NBA one sucks. Just get rid of it. Just put a pause in the middle of the season or do that mid-season tournament they're talking about instead and get rid of the all-star game altogether. There's no defense being played. The game absolutely sucks. Well, I mean, well, what are we doing here? What are we doing? What are we <laughs> Dave, I got to be honest. I didn't waste one second on this either. I caught some highlights. That's all you really got to do. It's not worth watching. So I'm glad you didn't waste any time. And I'm really sorry to hear that Mike might have wasted any of his time watching it. I I only saw I tell you this I thought I the only thing I really wasted time on I watched a Rising Stars game on Friday night which I actually thought was pretty decent and uh, I I saw the introductions of the seventy fifth list which whether or not you agree with the list we we talked about that one I still thought bringing out all the stars was pretty cool Dave go ahead I mean look I will say I think the only game only part of All Star Weekend that's actually competitive and really like I don't want to say carries weight, but actually, like, it is a good game. Is the Rising Stars game? Um, mm. it's a, to see some of the young players in the league and and like all these guys are going against each other, trying to prove who they are and you know being the best of the best. Where when you get to the All Star game, those guys know they're the best of the best, and they're just out there having fun. Like, look, we all know like it. Get it. Every All Star game's the same. The first three quarters, for the most part, are basically whatever and then that final quarter is really the challenge they tried to switch it up with you know winning each quarter and resetting the score and you know first team to a certain point total wins like you know so they they've they've tried to make it better and you know you had lebron hitting a game-winning shot you know in cleveland to win it for his team and steph curry hitting 16 threes but then you watch the defense that steph curry put up with like it's steph curry i'm not surprised he hit 16 threes like uh at Mm. all um, so I, yeah, I, but the rising stars should have hit that, those 16 threes in the three point competition. That's what we all would have liked to have seen. That's what we oh, got yeah. eyes to the, te- to the TV. I will say this Eric's point about there being no stars in the three point in the slam dunk competition is incredibly valid. We all know this. There should be stars in those. That's why nobody pays attention to them anymore. Yeah, they're, go back. They're, and like Eric said, once LeBron was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it, even when he was young and his legs were fresh, um, that, that really kind of started the downhill turn of stars. Like, I, there's no reasoning why a guy like John Moran shouldn't have been in the slam dunk contest. There's none. Uh, literally none. Um, so, like, that, that's the type of shit where I, I, I agree. It really takes away from what it could potentially be if you actually put – those guys in there and it sucks that they don't um but yeah all-star weekend for the most part the only game that i like genuinely like to me the all-star game is one of those things like i put on on a sunday while i'm like you know getting ready for the work week and you know doing the things you got to do to be ready to to work you know for the rest of the week so it's like it's more of a background noise thing and you kind of you know peek your head in and watch it for a little bit but the rising stars game i think is the only game that you're really a more competitive attitude from the young guys because some of those guys, you know, were on the cusp of making it. You maybe never even heard their name before. Um, I was a little upset that uh, my boy AO got, uh, got injured. He, he like hurt his thumb or some shit. Um, so he didn't get to play the rest of the game. So I was a little disappointed in that, but since I wasn't watching, it's really kind of hard to get overly upset. I was more upset about the long-term 
uh, impact for that one. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's it's not uh, NBA All Star Weekend is definitely something that for the most part I could probably live without. And I'm sure if you told the the big name stars that hey, instead of having a game, we're just going to give you guys the the week the long weekend and you know give you six seven days off. I don't think any of them would have a problem with it. Give them that and their bonus money because I'm sure they got it in their contracts that someone get a bonus for making All-Stars and whatever. Dude, fine. Get your bonus and take a couple days off to rest. Like I said, I think if they're going to do that mid-season, pl- that mid-season tournament, great time. Just eliminate this weekend and make this weekend the mid-season tournament. And then at least it matters for something and people are tuning in. This right now is just bullshit. And I, again, I'm going to say this too about most – all-star games in general, because again, I, you know, how I feel about the pro bowl to me, baseball is very similar. Like I think baseball is kind of like, not really that, like, I don't know, not really that great outside of the home run derby, but even that sometimes lacks stars. I, w- I wish they would get some of the biggest bats in there, which they do some years. So, I mean, you know, they're, they tend to be at least a little bit more star driven outside of that though. Like in the NHL, the skills competition, like, to me, that's still entertaining. They had a lot of big names in that. So um, that, that to me, is at least a little bit more entertaining. But I, I, I think you get rid of all these all-star weekends, in my opinion. I, would be, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't miss them one bit. Give them their bonuses. Give them their accolade for making a all-star team or whatever, or Pro Bowl or whatever it is, and be done with it. Mm. I will say I thought the dumbest part of of the weekend was was in that 75th anniversary team rollout where there were certain guys and Dave, maybe you saw this on the highlights where there were certain guys who didn't show up, but they filmed their entrance and they're waving to the imaginary crowd and you see them just motioning to different parts of it. And I thought that was ridiculous. It's like if you guys aren't going to show up, fine. You know nobody's there when you're doing this stuff. You just look like an idiot. It's not exactly like the the the, the big jumbotron in the arena is going to move to different parts of the crowd. I just thought that was really dumb. And Pippen did that stuff too. Yeah, I thought it was ridiculous. What'd you say? I did not even see that. It, they have the full video on YouTube. If you get a chance, just just watch one of those that I'm talking about. You'll know what I'm talking about really quick. It was so stupid. So stupid. Let me ask you guys this, though, because, okay, the NFL All-Star Game, we don't we don't even pay attention to that, the Pro Bowl. We don't pay attention to the NBA All-Star Game. At, but the NBA All-Star Game happens 60 games into the season for most teams. Pro Bowl happens the end of the season. Do you guys think if they put them all on – You called it, Eric. He still jinxed himself. <laughs> Not only that, but I think I know where he was going. Should they all be put at the end of the season, kind of like the Pro Bowl? Like afterwards, uh, they can be a little more celebrated. You don't have to worry about injuries Hello. as much as snap. Yeah, you cut out there, but I think I know where you're going, so I presented it to Dave, so I'll let Dave run with it. I, I mean, okay. at, the, at the end of the season for each league, uh, I don't know. To me, it depends on, like, how far after the season are you putting it. Like, is it, like, the Pro Bowl where it's, like, you know, the week after the championship games but the week before the Super Bowl? So, are you doing it, like, after the conference championship games but the week before the, you know, final start? 
Well, uh, actually, actually, that wasn't where I was going. What I was saying is, don't you, wouldn't it, would, if you put them both the same weekend, which is the weekend that the pro, and I'm going to, for the purposes of this, the idea that you put it the weekend of the Pro Bowl, you have both the NBA and the Pro Bowl on the same weekend, uh, which is that week in between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl. You just put it all right there and you have the leagues coordinated amongst themselves. No, I don't like that idea at all. I thought that would be another week. I still wouldn't watch it. Like, I don't know what that would do for anybody. You could fake interest. The only thing it would do, I think, is benefit people like us when we're trying to fill an hour sports talk show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We could fill an hour, but I mean, I I don't know. I'll tell you what, if we want to fill it, did you guys see it basketball wise? I'm going to bring something up. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm sure you had to, because it's a huge story by now. And I've been telling you guys to start ramping up for college basketball. Did you guys see the story that came out and then what the incident that happened between Juwan Howard and the coach from uh, Wisconsin? Yeah, you mean where Howard just open slapped the guy and everybody's acting like he actually threw a punch because he made a fist at the end of it? Well, he probably wanted to punch him and was uh, opened his fist. Thankfully, but anyway, yeah, no, no, that um, that's what I'm talking about. Are you guys familiar with this situation? Yeah, no, I saw it. I saw it. Dave, did you? I did. Yes. Mm -hmm. What are your guys' feelings on it? Knowing now that Howard is getting a five-game suspension through the rest of the regular season, we'll be there for the conference tournament. We'll be there for the NCAA tournament. Um, what do you think of the suspension? Light enough? Not light enough? What do you think of the situation as a whole? I kind of want you guys to go first before I give my opinion. Um, so however you guys want to start it, go ahead. Well, he didn't actually throw a punch is the thing. So I do feel like well, five games is a little... He put, it, he put hands on somebody else, and that's, that's a no Yeah. Well, it it is a no-no. Here's the thing, though. Like, the funniest part about all this is, I don't know if you guys watched the Barstool Rundown, but listening to Dave Portnoy, who is a Michigan alum, loves Michigan and everything, trying to act like the the coach in Wisconsin who put his hands on Howard's arm to start the whole thing off, to act like he assaulted him. And that defense by Howard that he was just trying to defend himself, we, we all know that's bullshit. You're 6'7". That's a five foot five white guy. Calm down. Calm down. Um, I, that was the funniest part of the whole thing, so I'm not going to do that. But I, I don't know. I think five games was a little excessive. Yeah, he put his hands on him. They, yeah, he, he threw his hand, but I, I don't know. It wasn't an actual punch. He barely pushed his head. Dave? I mean, personally, I thought five games was pretty spot on. I mean, you got you got physically violent with another coach during the handshake line, which is supposed to be, you know, the exemplary moment of sportsmanship. Win or lose, you respect your opponent and shake their hand and keep it on. But, you know, from my understanding of what happened, like, it's not like Howard – was completely in the wrong for getting angry. Did he overreact? Yeah, but I don't think he was completely wrong for getting angry. I think the biggest question is what was said between the two of them when they were in each other's face? Yeah. That is the one thing that I don't think anybody's come out and told anybody. And that to me is where you get curious and you're like, well, what was said? So, um, but all in all, what it said, I thought five games was pretty spot on. You know, he misses the rest of the regular season, gets to come back to the conference tournament, try to get, you know, 
keep his team in contention for the uh, uh, March Madness uh, NCAA tournament. So I don't really think the suspension was too much. I don't think it was too little. I think it was pretty <coughs> but you're, you know, you're supposed to be setting an example for the kids and, you know, swinging at the other team's coach, whether it's a slap or a punch, doesn't really set the best example. So it is something that, you know, deserves some level of punishment. Well, what did you I think, see. Eric? So here's here's my thoughts behind it, because I, I got a lot, because <laughs> the way I look at the situation is I'm a lot more, I would say, on Juwan Howard's side of things in the way I probably would have handled said situation. So I can't, you know, throw too I many stones at glass, glass houses here. So um, that being said, well, what happened was is to give you a little context of, of the situation, apparently Wisconsin was winning the game by like 15 points. It was less than a minute to go. And... Uh, Michigan was still playing a press defense, so they were still trapping them, still pressing them. So the coach only had four seconds left because you got 10 seconds to get the ball over half court. He only had four seconds left. Coach called the timeout from Wisconsin. Michigan coach, one hour, looks at it and says, this is stupid. What are you calling a timeout for? You're blowing us out. Just let's end this game and get the hell off the court. The other coach looks at it as I have five guys who are walk-ons on the court right now. And this is a coachable moment where now I can call a timeout and get 10 seconds back on the clock to get the ball back over half court. I give myself six seconds back this way and I can coach to that and tell him what to do. So that's the way he looked at it. I look at it from more of Howard's side is dude, you're blowing me out and you want a coachable moment, coach it in practice. I don't think you need to rub it in here. And by calling a timeout to try to get the ball up the court. Like, let's just get this game done. That's the way I would feel about it. So apparently what happened was they got in line. They were walking towards each other, and Juan Hour pointed at him, did not push him or touch him, but pointed at him and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking remember this. I'm going to remember this. And then that's when the other coach grabbed Juan Hour's arm, arm and, you know, tried to, I guess, from what he says, explain himself. Now, we all know if you grab somebody by the arm to stop them as they were walking, Howard was continuing to walk past. His arm was grabbed. He turns around. This guy wants to have some words back to him and try to explain himself. Now, granted, yeah, uh, the rules are the rules. You got 10 seconds back. Great. You thought it was a coachable moment. It's still a dickhead thing to do, in my opinion, because you're blowing us out. Let's just get the game over. Mm-hmm. You know, not like you needed the seconds, not like we needed, you needed it to call a play and do something with it. You're just doing it to do it. I'm sorry. I, I want to get off the court. And, you know, I, I, like I said, so things got a little wordy. Howard probably didn't like what he heard. Like Dave said, I would like to know what the rest of that conversation was. Yeah. Howard decided to, you know, kind of throw something openly out there, throw a swipe at him. And I'm with Dave that I think five games is reasonable. I think the people saying he should have been suspended throughout the rest of the year or possibly fired were a bit ridiculous. Um, But I will also preface this by saying that he is almost a repeat offender, though, because last year, I think it was at Maryland, he had an altercation with a coach. Now, it didn't get to where anybody swiped at each other, but it was uglier than it should have been. So this is now Howard's second spat with a coach, and it's a different coach than last year. So 
maybe they're thinking this might be a trend more than a one-off, and that's why they're a little bit worried about the situation, some people. I can see that, but the guy's a great basketball mind. Um, I do think he's a good coach. Uh, he can use this as a teachable moment himself going forward because, again, I think we can all agree that you really shouldn't say, even though you want to, even though some people really, really push you to it, you really shouldn't throw hands at somebody, um, especially in a, a handshake sportsmanship line at the end of a game. Um, well, so I, I think this, all, this think also shows – Where I think the five-game mm. suspension is, is, is correct here because then at least he's still back for the conference finals or conference playoffs and he's still coaching the NCAA tournament. And, uh, yeah, I think five games is long enough. Well, I think this also shows that no matter what the situation, I, I think we're all kind of agreeing that it was kind of instigated by the Wisconsin coach to the level that it was instigated that Howard would throw a hand, you know, that that's a different story. He did kind of instigate it by putting his hand on his wrist there, which, you know, you could Absolutely. say what the intent was. The instigator never gets anything. It's always the reactor. We can agree Absolutely. with that. I think. Uh, I think we can all agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was interesting, though. I did catch that on Sunday. So, uh, well, I, I tell you what, I will lead it to you. Did anything else happen college basketball-wise besides this whole incident worth, um, worth talking about this week? Mm, off the top of my head, not really. I think that was the mm. biggest story to really – come out or happen in my opinion um yeah i think that's that's the biggest for right mm. now i don't know dave you got anything dave he's muted all right we can keep we can you keep, know what, what what you got really funny when i'm muted i'm literally saying sorry to you guys and no I'm <laughs> like, literally like sorry sorry scrambling to hit not fun no, all I was going to say, UNC had arguably their biggest win last night of the entire um, season. Uh, I still don't know if they're going to be able. I don't know. It's going to really come down to how they play in the ACC tournament because they, they did hit 20 wins finally. Um, but th this UNC team is definitely not what it used to be in the past. They're better than what they were last year. Yet last year they were uh, horrendous, but um, – they're at least better than they were last year, but they definitely still need time to grow and get better. But that, that made me happy to see them get a big win, especially, you know, in the Dean Smith dome. So got to have the excitement of the fans and, you know, seeing the kids have a great time. So that was really the biggest thing for me that other than the Juwan Howard story that stuck out from the NCAA this, uh, this past week. Mm. I think I heard there are eight top 25 teams in action tonight. So, how long do we have until conference um, tournaments start? What do we have, like two weeks till that? Not Probably. even. Yeah, not even. even. About even five think. games worth. Ah, that yeah. could stretch out for two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> it could. What happened? Eric, I see what you did there. You brought it full circle. I tried to. Thanks, Steve. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm the one kind of in a bubble right now. What, what, what's the joke? What's the gag? We were just talking about Juwan Howard getting suspended for five games. So Eric was like, yeah. Ah. 
He's suspended <laughs> for the rest of the regular. I season. get it. I get it. I, I now I get it. Now now it clicked. Now it clicked. I'm so I'm sorry to be the uh, the the guy standing there. Hey, let me in. Can I come? But I got it now. Well, I, I say the uh, other thing that we didn't mention before. I know we kind of glazed over football real quick, but I mean the Aaron Rodgers stuff coming out from the the Pat McAfee show. Um, don't know if you guys have any thoughts or opinions on that, or if you've heard that, heard about that yet. I think the people comparing this to the Brett Favre situation from 13, 14 years ago, I, I don't know if I'm there yet where I can make that comparison because I don't really feel like he's leading people on. I don't think he's retiring. It will be interesting to see if he forces his way out of Green Bay, but I don't think we're at Brett Favre levels yet with Aaron Rodgers. But, Dave, go to you. What do you say? Until something's announced, I could give two shits. I heard you on the show i was like all right i'll check twitter in like an hour twitter and aaron Rodgers was like uh no decision to on my computer yet and i was like all right i'm done yeah yeah now this- I, I, look i love watching aaron Rodgers on a football field i can give two shits about him behind the microphone that's fair that's fair i agree with you there i think if he's dragging this decision out into july and august then you can compare it to brett Favre. But we're not there yet. The season didn't even end a month ago. So the idea that, you know, he's dragging a decision out, he hasn't really done that yet. He's free to take a few weeks. The decision's made, though. That's what people, I mean, from everything I heard today, there's no way the Packers can keep him. And it's because he would carry, like, the biggest cap hit in history, in in NFL history. I mean, he'd have, I think, they said it's a $46 million cap hit to keep Aaron Rodgers for next season. Okay, that's in all fairness, though. That's 25% of your entire budget to pay one guy, and that's not even going out and signing Devontae Adams yet. So what I'm hearing is is they want to try and trade him. If they're able to trade him, I believe it's going to save them $20 million off the cap for next year. So they'll still have a, a cap hit for next year, but it won't be nearly as big. Um, but yeah, he's looking at a $46 million cap hit in, in Green Bay next year. And that's something that the team it doesn't want to pay. Okay. Can I, I mean, this isn't necessarily a counter, but to your point there, while it, if he does get traded, while people may spin it to be like he demanded his way out of Green Bay, based on what you just said, if there's a decision to be made, it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers decision. It would be a Packers business decision. You agree with that for statement? For the most part, yeah. I mean, listen, but we all know he wants out too, so it's a win-win for everybody. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's – I think that there are teams he's got to figure out where he can go, that they have the cap space, that he still wants to win, that he'd agree to a trade to. So that's the other thing too is you can't trade him someplace and he's not, not going to play because then that trade's pointless to begin with. So no. um, I, I don't see that happening. So they're going to work something out. They're going to find a team with the cap room to take on some cap, bring in Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to be a big cap hit to whatever team brings him on. I think they're only going to have to take on like $20 million. So um, there are definitely going to be a lot of teams in play for him. Uh, I don't really see him going to Denver out west. So if he does, I think it's stupid. Why go out there and play with Herbert and and Carr and, and Mahomes? It's a tough division. I don't want to play again in that division. I don't have to play out there. Um, I don't so necessarily disagree. I'm sorry, Eric. I was just going to say, I don't disagree with you on that. I think New Orleans or Tampa Bay are probably the ones that that's where that's where the decision would be. 
Dave, what do you say? Weapons already in both ah. places. So, I mean, it's not bad. They're not bad options. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think most likely it would probably be <laughs> those. Two. But yeah, the NFC makes a lot of sense. I mean, hell, the NFC sense the the um, or AFC South makes sense. The AFC East makes sense. Uh, into the playoffs and a division title. Musical interlude? I guess. So so I I think, but Eric, I I think the one part you're missing is that last offseason, what they did was they gave gave him a two-year deal for this year and next year. They purposely overloaded the back end of the deal for salary cap hit because the what you pay what you pay in signing ca- uh, signing bonus doesn't hit your cap, so they they overloaded the back end of the deal and then put a player option on it, so he can choose to take that deal or or put it in their hands and then obviously they could cut him. But it, I wouldn't say the decisions made, and the reason I say that is because really all they have to do is say, hey, we're going to modify our contract and add one more year, move all that, move a bunch of that money to the backside of the year. And then he, he's making, you know, average, you know, probably top five money in the NFL for a quarterback, but not taking 25% of the cap. Because that's basically what they did this year. Like they just gave him a two-year deal. and, and then you're, just, you're just kicking the can down the road, though. And if you've already drafted Jordan Love and wasted a first-round pick on Jordan Love, why are you going to keep backloading it and now costing yourself more money down the road? Why are you going to Bobby Bonilla yourself? I don't understand this. Why are you going to, why are you going to do it? Because they have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl with Rodgers than they do love. I don't know. Did Mike just have a heart attack or did he not, did, did he have another glitch or something? Cause I'm really shocked he didn't have anything to say right there. Yeah. He definitely didn't lose connection because he's actually on mute. I can see it on the app. So, so he must be screaming in the background right now yeah. about what I just said. I wonder if cousin David picked up on it too. Yeah, I don't know if he that was like, more for cousin David. He got like a phone call, and like maybe he's recording this through his computer audio. So maybe he got like a phone call. And uh, all right, so but, he he met. It's, yeah, we're gonna have to let him play it back later. I'm not gonna repeat it for him. <laughs> Oh my God! Well, I mean, I I can't believe I'm going to be the one that brings this up, but um, did that, uh, MLB and the players' union have agreed to meet every day until the 28th deadline to be able to still start the season on time? They did. They did. They've had longer meetings too about it, um, as well, which is good. They've uh, they had, I believe, it was like a five-hour session yesterday. Day, but like mm-hmm. two of the hours were them together. Three of the hours were them talking as like ownership and players themselves. Um, okay. But they're getting it's more than the fifteen-minute-long meetings they were having last week. So any amount of improvement. Plus, what I also like to hear is something I've said from the very beginning, and I know Mike's back, so you can back me up on this. But okay. I, I, I really. I I like the fact that you're not hearing a ton of crap coming out right now about it. Like that you're not hearing about like, Oh, the MOB players are offering this, but but the owners won't budge on that. And like the the tit for tat stuff. I'm glad that a lot of that is staying out of the media because it means more of that shit is staying in the room. 
And that's where we needed to get something done right now is in the room. So I, I'm encouraged by the fact that they're willing to meet every day. I'm encouraged by the fact that the meetings seem to be getting a little bit longer, a little bit more in depth. And I think they're all understanding that if they don't meet this deadline on the 28th, there's no chance the season can start on time. And that's going to be devastating for everybody, but mainly the fans more than anybody. But, uh, yeah, it's it's going to suck. So we're going to hope that in the next few days we hear some really, really positive movement. And I'm um, hoping by the 28th, you know, they the 11th hour here, they, they come in and get a deal done. Well, here's what I'll say to that. You're right, Eric. The fact that we're not hearing the players and the owners snipe about specific points in the meeting, that's a good thing. We, now, we've heard some sniping about broader things, like when uh, the commissioner came out last week and said that, you know, we have to postpone spring training until this. There was a response from the Players Association uh, saying, no, we don't. We don't have to do that. This is just the, the owners trying to spin the narrative and blah, blah, blah. But the fact that they're not sniping about specific things, that is a good thing. I will say this. I don't think a deal is getting done by the 28th, but... I feel like if they get the agreement within the first couple weeks of March, even if the season doesn't start on time, it's not going to be so truncated that we have to settle for like a 60-game season. I feel like at this point, if we have to settle for 150 games or 145, something like that, I will take that as opposed to nothing. And I think that might be something we look at here because if you listen to the terms, I, I, I don't have all the specific things that the players and the league are far apart on. There's three major things that have come out over the last couple of days, and it all kind of stems from the idea that what the Players Association is really fighting for is the idea that players can get paid more when they are younger. Because, Eric, we've talked about this over the last – few years the idea that large contracts for older players when they hit free agency those have kind of shrunk over the last decade due to analytics and the fact that the owners have been burned by past contracts and they don't necessarily want to repeat that the players association is fighting for um the pre-arbitration and the arbitration eligible players to get more while they're in arbitration as opposed to having to wait until free agency that seems to be the big sticking point in addition to the fact that they want that collective bargaining tax or what is it, competitive balance tax, whatever the hell it's called, the luxury tax line. They want that to be expanded. Right now, the league is fighting for, uh, what is it, $222 million is the luxury tax line the first year, and I think gradual increments, and the, and the players want it to start at 245 for this season, I think increasing to 265, 270 by the end of it, because this is only going to be a five-year term. So those are the major sticking points. And listen, seeing this how for the first time ever, I actually have some skin in this game because I have an owner that actually wants to spend money. Well, I'd be fine with them setting the line at $280 million for the luxury tax, truthfully. Fuck it, give me $300 million for the luxury tax line. But... Um, that seems to be where the big bones of contention come in. Like I said, I don't have all of them. Um, Dave, you hear some of this stuff, and Eric, you kind of said it. I was gone for a little bit there because I had to deal with uh, my kid at work. Um, what are your thoughts on this? 
Look, I, I think it, to me, I, I mean, I don't understand baseball enough to go into the issues and things they're arguing about. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes down to negotiations between, you know, uh, ownership and players, we've, we've talked about it before. Baseball has the strongest union um, out of the four major sports. And I hope they keep it that way because they continue to raise the bar for what the other leagues uh, uh, should be trying to reach for their player unions. Because when it's all said and done, like, I mean this wholeheartedly, fuck the guys that own the team. Sorry, I don't give a shit about you. Like, yes, I root for the team. But when it comes down to individuals, it doesn't matter who owns the team. The team's still going to be there. Like, at least for the teams I root for. Like, nobody's moving the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody's moving the Chicago Bulls. Like, those teams are not going anywhere. So, I don't care who owns the damn team. The guys that go out there and and not only sacrifice their bodies when they play, and that doesn't matter what sport you're playing, even baseball. I mean, you've seen horrific things happen on a baseball field, uh, field where a guy never got to play again because of how bad he got hurt. Um, you know, like – those are, and those guys also spend their entire lives working to get to that moment. It, it's not, you know, oh, they just had some lucky break and it fell on their lap. Like, no, they busted their ass since they were probably four years old and only started to, and only worked harder as they got older. Like, I, I root for those guys to make as much money and get as much money as they possibly can. Like, do it. Just do it. Like, I just, just mm. do it. So I'm all for the players' union pushing for what they want. I'm all for them, you know, riding it out and trying to stick it out. But, you know, for you guys and all the baseball fans in the world, I hope they get something done by the 28th. And I, I think the other point you guys made that was a really great point is the fact that neither side is coming out in the media and putting down the other side or saying, oh, the other side's doing this or they're not negotiating in good faith or, you know, the, the things that come out. That's a great sign for any negotiation because really the reason a side does that is they're trying to apply public pressure on the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's, it really is that, that was a really other great point you guys made. Other than yeah. that, I, re- I really don't have anything else for you on this topic, but I, I had to ask because I saw it today and I was like, shit, I got to make sure I bring that up on the show. They'll both be so happy <laughs> they brought up baseball. I think we can all agree on this one. Whenever you have these negotiations for the collective bargaining agreement, it doesn't matter the sport. It's never the big market teams that are really holding up the negotiations because the collective bargaining attacks uh, playing pre-arbitration or pre-free agency players more, that's not something that a team like the Mets or the Yankees would be the ones holding up on. It's the mid-market and the small market teams that are holding this stuff up because they want to get that revenue sharing money, the, the, the salary cap money, if it's a different sport. They're the ones holding it up because they don't want to pay more for stuff like that. And they don't want the big market teams to have the advantage over them. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but that's my feelings. It's always the mid and the small market teams owners that are holding this stuff up, not the big market teams owners. What do you guys say? The big market teams have the money to spend. The problem is the little market sure. teams don't, so it's hard for them to keep up. So if you raise the spending limit up to $300 million, there's only four teams or five teams in the league that can hit that amount. So, I mean, the, the disparity, the 
between the two teams, is, uh, between the top and the bottom, is way too big. So you can't expand it that far. Um, I, I agree with expanding it a little bit, but I, I you know, I'm just coming from a Yankee fan. Yeah, we could spend it, but there are plenty of years the Yankees have spent it knowing they're going over to luxury tax and knowing they didn't care because they have it to spend anyway. You know what I mean? Like, that's uh, that was the old Steinbrenner way. He didn't care. Like, I got it. I'm going to make more of it. I'm, I'm good. You know, I'll pay the luxury tax. You know, mm. they, it wasn't so recently that they want the Yankees themselves wanted to try to reset it. And they have um, for themselves to, to lower the, t- the tax rate. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right that it's the more of these small mid-market teams, but that's because that makes up a majority of your league. So majority of the league wants it to be a little bit fair. I got to be honest. I can't really blame them for that. And this is coming from a guy whose team could spend more than probably anybody else's maybe outside uh, of Cohen's because he's got more money, but uh, the Yankees are less afraid to spend it than probably even Cone is. So um, I, I and I feel pretty safe in saying that, even though they, they are being outspent. Right. I, I will say this, Dave. I will go back to you. Um, I agree with the sentiment. Fuck the owners. I will just preface it by saying, fuck the owners, except Steve Cohen. That man can do what he wants. Go ahead, Dave. I mean, all all I was going to say is that it's the same reason why the NFL Players Association is so weak. You know, they have 3,000-something players in the entire league, and out of the 3,000, 150 basically make, you know, 70% of the salary. So it just the, – the, the majority outweighs that group when it comes down to negotiations. Sure. No, that's fair. That is fair. And I think that's why the Players Association is fighting to get the pre – free agency eligible players more money here because the amount of players in baseball who get those you know four four year 40 million dollar contracts has dramatically reduced over the last decade as opposed to let's say from 1998 to 2010 i mean eric we talked about it many times players accused the owners of collusion we knew it wasn't collusion it was just the owners realizing that hey, we messed up giving this guy this much money. We don't want to make this mistake again. So that's why the Players Association is trying to compensate for that. Ah, it all makes sense. It just, you, yeah. know, you, wish, you wish all these guys could get their piece of the pie. True, true. I want to transition out of this, though, because uh, there's one thing, and Eric, actually, I don't know if you heard this, but I heard this before we went to air today. Um Paul O'Neill is getting his jersey retired by the Yankees this coming season. Yeah, and I, yeah. yeah, and I think that that's pretty cool. Uh, I listen. We know where my allegiances lie here. I always liked Paul O'Neill. I always respected Paul O'Neill. I feel like he represented the Yankees in the in the '90s before they really transitioned to going back to the idea of outspending anyone. We know that Yankee dynasty got built from the ground up. Guys like Buck Showalter and Stick Michael rebuilding that farm system, the core four. Guys like Jeter and Pettit and Posada and Bernie Williams and all those guys. Paul O'Neill was really an unsung hero on that. Mariano Rivera, how did I forget him? Paul O'Neill, in my opinion, was an unsung hero on that team because he was a trade wasn't exactly a Ballyhooed uh, outfielder before he came to the Yankees, even though he did make an all-star team. He was on a Reds championship team before he came to the Yankees. He established himself with the Yankees. 
it was it was one of the most unheralded trades in the '90s, in my opinion. And he was he was a staple for the Yankees during those dynasty years. And I, I've always liked and respected Paul O'Neill. The idea that his jersey's being retired. Props to you guys for doing it. Love Paul O'Neill. I don't have enough good things to say about him other than the fact that uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I think, honestly, what pushed him over to get the number of retirement was the fact that he's been in broadcasting and stuck with the team for so long after as well. Mm. Um, I don't think without his time as a broadcaster that this happens. Uh, I'll be honest. I think that... Uh, he might be one of the more forgotten people of that those great Yankee teams if it wasn't for him being so relevant as an announcer. Um, I, I hate to say that because I love the guy. He, I love the number 21. I'm there with him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, like I said, he was an intro. Like you pointed out, he was an integral part to those teams. So I don't have an issue with this whatsoever. Um, I just think it's the fact that he – this is more of a – not just retiring your number. Yes, we're retiring your number, but this is more like we're, we're retiring you for all of your contributions to the team as a whole. That's the way I look at it. Mm. Dave, what do you say? Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, say, I'll say this. What I, what I respect about the Yankees, because you look, they have more numbers retired than any other team in baseball. They don't just retire the guys who are Hall of Famers. Like, obviously, they have a lot of those who are Hall of Famers there, more than any other team in baseball. They also retire the numbers and give plaques in Monument Park to the guys who you can't tell the history of the Yankees without talking about. Billy Martin, Roger Maris, Thurman Munson, Jorge Posada, Don Mattingly, Elston Howard, Andy Pettit, Ron Guidry, Bernie Williams. Not Hall of Famers necessarily. You can't completely tell the story about the Yankees without talking about those guys. I wish other teams would learn from that example, namely the Mets. It's not about whether or not they're Hall of Famers. It's about what they meant to your team history. I agree with that. But I think mm -hmm. that goes for every team, though. If they yes. mean something that big to your organization, why not remember them? Why not celebrate them? Why not want to bring them back and have them still a part of your organization even if it's just by having a plaque or something out there you're always going to have that tie to that player and if he meant that much then you know that i think it's a great gesture for any team to do absolutely dave i i don't know if you have any other thoughts on that one well, I do. I do agree. If if somebody had that type of impact on your team, then they deserve to be, you know, respected and honored and remembered by your team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same, same reason why it makes no sense to me that I, I don't why uh, Jimmy Johnson still isn't in the Ring of Honor. Well, let me ask you: Would a guy like because I don't believe that this guy is an NBA Hall of Famer, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but would you want to put this guy in say the rafters of the Bulls? I'm going to throw a guy out there who I remember. I think he played a pretty integral part in those 90s teams, but Tony Kukoc. He got, he did get elected to the Hall of Fame, not just for yeah. what he did in the NBA, uh, either last year or the year before. I think it was the year Kobe uh. won. Yeah, no, because obviously he had a big international career before he went to the NBA. So that's why he got in. 
Dave, I don't know about you. I I think who coach could have his number retired for the Bulls. I do think it's something that happens, but I don't think it's something that happens relatively soon. I think it would be more like, uh, hey, we know he's approaching the end of his time. Like, let's give him this honor before he, you know, he's too old to remember it or not with him more. Mm. It, it, all so, in all, yeah. on the, the second, but he really, like, I don't, how do you say? It? He really, he was a key part in moment. He wasn't in a a dominant player for them. He just the guy that, you know, he was in there for a lot of key moments and plays. And it's one of the reasons Pippen don't like because Phil Jackson chose him as winner and he hit it. I think Phil would have. I think Pippen would have bigger beef if he made the shot. But since he made it, I kind of over it. But that that's my opinion. Let me throw another guy at you. What about a Steve Paxton? No, Pat Paxton hit the one big shot for Chicago in his entire career. Yeah, it was during the NBA Finals. I understand that, but he hit one big shot for that entire career, and that was it. If you look at his career as a whole, he really he was a definition of a role player that happened to you know be at the right place at the right time. Jordan got on the ball. Now, and Eric, I, I do apologize. I have to make a correction. John Paxson, John Paxson was his name. I wouldn't, know. yeah, I wouldn't retire his number for the Bulls either. I mean, Dave, you said it perfectly there. The quintessential role player. You know, you know what he gets from the Bulls? Anytime what? they show the highlights of the franchise, his shot's going to be part of the highlights of the franchise. But oh, yeah. It goes back to what Mike was just saying, though. You can't tell the history of the Bulls without his name being in there somewhere. And if you can't tell the history, like, don't you want to, like, don't you want to, you know, have the history remembered? He is a part of that history. He hit that. Well, like you said, if he's going to be remembered on the reel, shouldn't he be remembered just in general for the team and the contribution? Well, just to clarify that, because I I think me and Dave are in agreement here. If you're going to compare, if you're going to make that, argument i'll compare it to someone from mets history there do you put andy chavez do you retire andy chavez's number because he made that amazing catch in game seven of that uh nlcs game that the mets should have capitalized off of and won the game in the next inning um i wouldn't put Andy. i wouldn't retire andy chavez's number because he was a well, good role player paxton obviously had a large multiple he won multiple championships that's why i'm saying it because he's a guy who was there as, even though as a role player was there for multiple cha- championships, Chavez was there for zero championships. So I don't put him on the same level. I'm sorry, I don't. I think they're two different circumstances. Like I said, you uh, what I'm the story uh, of the match without 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 his name popping up. You can't tell the story of the Bulls without Paxson. That was an amazing moment, though. And in all fairness to Paxson, while I agree with you, he was a member of multiple championships. That was his one moment. That was the only reason I made that comparison. Just to clarify, Dave. What do you say? Yeah, when it's all done, you can play the highlight of that play and actually not even show who who got the ball. So, yeah, no. <laughs> I get what you're saying. No. You could definitely watch that replay and not even have to show who actually took the shot, and people would still be like, wow, what a pass by Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> 
That, listen, I'm not going to argue with Eric's point. That was an amazing shot, and it is a credible moment that I think all three of us remember. I was, what, 10 years old when that happened? I still remember that moment. I was watching that game live, actually. Yeah. All right. Does anybody have anything else sports-related they would like to bring up tonight? Uh, sports related? No, not necessarily. I don't know. Mickelson made some news, but I don't think it's really you, worthy of anything. I kind of want to ask you what exactly he did to have to apologize for. Because I, I tried looking some things up. I still don't quite get the whole thing. But I don't know. That's only if you guys want to go there. Uh, Dave, you got any interest? If not, I could care less about it. He's just being an ass, and I guess people are calling him out on it. Um, mm. I'm not sure if it was him or somebody else that was playing in another tournament, but uh, the thing is, if you play golf for the PGA, you can only play for the PGA. So I guess he wanted to play. There's some Saudi Saudi Arabian guy or someone who wants to put together some like super league of golfers. But the thing is, if they do that, they can't play in the PGA in like the Masters. They can't play in like a bunch of the big events for the PGA and play in that other tournament. So he came out and was kind of like blasting the PGA, saying like it's kind of bullshit. They like, oh, you you won't let them do this or that and whatever. And I think he's just catching a lot of flack for it. Um, that's what I think happened, Dave. I don't know if you got any more on this or if you even give a shit about this, but. Honestly, I, I, I saw the title of the article, and I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> it's All amazing right, how irrelevant golf is without Tiger Woods, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Mm. Yeah, It is amazing right. how irrelevant it is. <laughs> like, it mm. just truly is. Well, I tell you this. I think when we're bringing up golf stuff, that means we've run out of sports-related things to talk about. So I'll, I'll go here. Uh, amazing finale on Peacekeeper this past week. Eric, I know you and me were talking about it uh, over the weekend. I, I, I'm so Peacekeeper. Is it Peacekeeper though? <laughs> Is it a Peacemaker? Oh, is it Peacemaker? Oh, I think you're right on yeah. that. Okay, yeah, I fucked uh, up. Uh, I fucked up. Yeah, yeah. All right. That guy, yeah. Hey, at least I got the word peace part right. Goddamn. All right, fine. It isn't Peacemaker. Yeah, okay. Peacemaker. Y'all knew who the fuck I was talking about, goddammit. All right. But I'll tell you, in all fairness, Eric, I corrected you. You corrected me. This is fair. It's all even and balanced. Perfectly balanced like all things should be. Yes. So I made a Marvel reference, and we'll talk some DC now. Peacemaker was awesome. Oh, tremendous. Dave, you see it? I did see it, and that, that ending really actually shocked the shit out of me in a couple moments. Well, let's go spoiler awesome, review. Yeah, 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 go spoiler. Tell me what shocked you. I want to hear some stuff from you. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, I was actually thought it was hysterical that they had uh, what's-her-name uh, try to do the human torpedo um, and then miss it. bio. I was dying when I watched that. <laughs> then when they actually like tried to get Peacemaker to help them instead of stop them, I actually didn't see that coming at all. And then for him to say human torpedo again and send her flying through that disgusting looking thing 
Love that moment. And then to have yes. them walk out after it's all said and done, to have them walk out and, you know, basically the entire Justice League shows up. <laughs> and, like, I, I don't know if um, it was Gal Gadot. It wasn't. Yeah, Gadot, Gal Gadot and Cavill weren't there. It was just their silhouettes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, Cyborg and Batman were cut from it. They were in in it, but they were cut. I think is what I heard. And yeah. I still think it, it played out beautifully. Dude, it was oh, perfect. I like you said, Dave. I didn't expect that either. That was awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. No. What? And then to see them and just to have him be like, "Thank you, not fucking late, douchebags or whatever the fuck, whatever." <laughs> not fucking. And like uh, you have, you know, dude that actually plays Aquaman and dude that actually plays Flash, and he looks at him, he's like, That's, "I hate that rumor. It's not true." And and Flash just looks at him like, "No, no, it's it's true." Like, died, <laughs> loved it. I honestly, fuck you, Barry. <laughs> I started dying laughing. Favorite uh, DC things I I may have ever seen in my life. I did mm-hmm. not come. They did an amazing. Job with that series, yeah. Apparently, it was I, I, Ezra Miller who wanted to like, who I think had reached out about being in it, and then they came up with this idea, and Momoa got on board, got on board with it. But I mean, just the humility in those guys to come and do it too, and like, you know, I, I just thought it was all, all pretty awesome. Played out that joke from earlier in the season too. Um, it, I actually found it funny that the actor who plays Green Arrow on the CW got upset about the Green Lantern joke that was in the finale. Green <laughs> Arrow, yeah, yeah, yeah. About him being a brony with a four-inch hole in the back end. <laughs> He's actually uh-huh. genuinely like pissed about that comment. Like I thought that was hysterical. Like, but yeah, it just it was it was so well written, so well done. The cameos were, were were spot on and perfect and just enough. We didn't need the Justice League to come in and save the day, but they did. They came in and it was just perfect the way it was. So um, I'm looking forward to a season two. I don't know where they go with it or what they do with it, but like you said, Dave, it twisted, it turned. I didn't see that turn coming where the butterflies were going to be like, no, you understand us. You get us. Come help us. You know, like I thought that was cool. The fact that like even at the end when – the I'm gonna call the butterfly Goff comes back at you know and flies to his house to his like little place and comes out feeds it again like you know he's not a bad dude and I think like I don't know I think the show did wonders not only for DC but for John Cena in general I mean this was the best acting I think any of us have ever seen John Cena do and maybe it's just one of those roles he was like born to play like some people just have a role that like you can't see him in anything else maybe this is it for him because he he personified that character so well um i mean yeah, I, I, I eric i said this to you i'll say i'll say it to dave i feel like the cena as peacemaker excuse me is one of the top performances of an actor playing a comic book character I've ever seen in my life. Like, if you if you want to put guys like Christian Bale and Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart on the list, that's fine. John Cena as as Christopher Smith, the Peacemaker, belongs on a top ten list. He was phenomenal. Yeah, I would have, Dave, I'd have no problem putting him on a top ten list. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and just to say that final episode, Eric, I think you said it first. That uh, that final episode was just so goddamn perfect. With everything about it, the final battle was awesome. With Steve Agee, uh, I mean, you guys called him Die Beard last week, dude. I will never call him Die Beard again after that that one scene. He had a hell of a performance, yeah. Oh God. How do you call him Die Beard again after that? Like honestly, I felt for him like when he dropped so him, much. Like, I'm not fucking around with this kaiju. Fucking like. I'm <laughs> <out>. <laughs> well, I'm, ta- I'm talking about he he comes oh, out. No, no. Oh, yeah. yeah, when he comes down, he has the moment there with that other cop, or you know. I felt for him so hard when he's having to admit why he dyed the beard and everything. It's like, dude, you can't call him Die Beard again after that. Dude just bared his fucking soul for you. You know? Yeah, that was... All the characters did great. It was a great show, and it'd be awesome to see them do a second. Yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in anything James Gunn's doing in the DC. I think he... DC should follow wherever his creative little mind wants to go. I know he's got another like spinoff coming from the Suicide Squad uh, that's going to be a show. Um, I know that they have other projects they want they want to talk to him about. Whatever he wants to do, whatever creative mind, wherever wherever that wants to go, they should follow it because the man knows how to do this comic book stuff. Between what he's done in Marvel. What he's done here, uh, between even the Suicide Squad, which I really enjoyed, and this show, um, he says he's done with Marvel after Guardi- after this last Guardians movie. If I'm DC, I am throwing a boatload of money at this guy and just being like, "Would start creating, like you know, back I mean? the I truck up, back it up, yeah, back the truck up, uh, yes, yeah, whoever whoever that ex- new exec is, because I'm sure they're firing the old guys once the sale finally goes through and they're now going to be a part of Discovery. They're going to have new guys running the show, and they better be smart enough to back that truck up because. He, he he's that damn good, man. He he can write. He, he, I mean, he what? He wrote and directed. He wrote the whole series and directed. I think five episodes. Like guy's awesome. Like yeah. don't have enough good things to say about him right now. So I just hope DC keeps following his direction. Keep what you're doing with the Flash. Keep your independent stuff independent. But maybe find a creative guy like James Gunn that can find a way to work it all in beautifully. Um, you know, together. And mm-hmm. I think that's what they need. And he can maybe be that creative head that they, they've kind of been looking for. The what they almost were, were hoping or are gonna want Snyder uh the Snyder verse to be, you know, make it instead the gun verse and pull in pieces from the Snyder verse and pull in pieces from what Matt Reeves is doing with the Batman and whatever's going on with Muschietti and the Flash and all these guys, like whatever's going on, like let him pull from whatever worlds and universes he wants to create something cohesive that could be fun for all. Um, I think he's the guy to do it. I'm just going to keep beating that drum. Sorry, guys. Keep I mean, listen, I'm right there beating the drum with you. I have been consistently since we first talked about it. So I have no problem with that one. He would be the perfect one to respect everything that came before, tie it up in a nice little bow, and just keep moving the thing forward. What do you say, Dave? I'd be cool with it. Uh, I mean, mm. when it's all said and done, I mean, it's not like the guy doesn't have an, uh, a good grasp on putting together superhero entertainment. So, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I would not complain nor fight or be upset if uh, 
if he did more of these DC projects and it gave him, you know, some leeway to, to stay on the darker side and, and take advantage of what really, really separates DC from Marvel. And, and all in all, if we're being honest, it could be better than Marvel. Yeah, I mean, I think James Gunn would be perfect because I don't think he would look at it as being better than Marvel. I think he's better at, we're just going to focus on our own thing. If you guys think it's better than Marvel, good for you. We're just focusing on ourselves. I think that was the problem with the whole DC philosophy for a very long time. They were trying to outdo Marvel. They were trying to do things differently. Don't focus on what the other guy's doing. Focus on yourself. And I think that's what Gunn would be perfect for. Dan, are you? Yeah, no. The one thing I will say is cool to talk about out here, you know, on Marvel and DC. The fact that they actually kind of collaborated together. I don't know if you guys know this, but that's I heard this with Aquaman and the Flash. Um, that was filmed at Marvel. That wasn't filmed yes. at DC. That was filmed yes. afterwards while he was working on Guardians 3. But I guess they mm. did that because they allowed somebody to come and film something while he was working on Peacemaker. It was for something. I don't know whether it was for Guardians or for something. Yeah. Um, it, so I, yeah, kind of, Eric, they if were you... working with each other there, and they were able to kind of put something cohesively together. Just to clar- clarify there, the guy who played Mern is going to be in Guardians 3. DC allowed him to film the screen test while they were filming Peacemaker. So that's why Marvel kind of owed them and let them fill the Ezra Miller part of that scene while they were shooting Guardians 3. That's what you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, one final thing, because I got to bring this up. The the part in the episode, the final battle was awesome. My favorite part that put it over the top. Harcourt goes down and the way that they slowed the needle on. Uh, Do you really want to taste it when it looked like she was dying? And then Adebayo sees her go down and the scene of her running across the field and brutally murdering all the butterflies. Oh, my God. I died for that part. I don't know about you guys. I love that part. Her just brutally shooting, shooting everyone to get to hardcore. I love that shit. That was awesome. No, it, it was for somebody that never killed anybody. Yeah. Be a nice change of uh, pace for the character. But, yeah, no, they, they did a great job on that final episode. And they did a great job on the whole season. I mean, I think there's out of the whole season, there was one episode that was a little slow. And like that, to me, I'm making that statement. I feel like I'm nitpicking like that. That's how good I think the season was. Which episode are you talking about? Dude, I have no idea at this point. OK, I, fair enough. I, I literally have no idea at this point. But yeah, <laughs> like, I'm just, like, like if I had to sit here and nitpick, I'm sure I could say, ah, well, there's an episode that was a little slow. Fair enough. Eric, why don't you bring it home? Uh, tremendous show, like Dave said before. Can't wait to see some more down the road. Absolutely. I can't wait for season two. Hopefully it lives up to what we saw in season one. It'll be like... Yeah, there's still a lot of good stuff coming out, though, too. I mean, we're, what, a week away from... Or a little over a week away from the Batman... Uh, we got Moon Knight at the end of the month. We got the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, I think, uh, not too far after that. I think that's May. Doctor Strange in May. 
we got a lot of stuff coming up, but I mean, that's not even getting into Thor. That's not even getting into like all the other stuff coming out this year. It's going to be a crazy year. It's going to be a good year. Mm. I'll tell you this. I feel like that Obi-Wan show has a lot to work to do because honestly, after Boba Fett, like it ended on a high note. I don't really give a shit about what Star Wars puts out, man. I really don't. So like this Obi-Wan has a lot of work to do to make people excited for Star Wars stuff again, because after Boba Fett, like, all right, fine. I feel like everybody's just waiting for the next Mandalorian thing to come out. I know I am. You agree? Disagree? I mean, I'm always waiting for the next Mando thing to come out. I'm a big Mandalorian fan, so uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't know much about this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I was just saying there's just a lot of stuff coming up to get excited mm. and sweaty about. That was all I was pointing out. I'm with you, though. True. I don't know a ton about Obi-Wan. I don't know a ton about this series, so it's kind of wait and see, hoping it's good. But I think the fact that I'm kind of going in with no expectations um, – I'm hoping that at least as long as the series is entertaining to watch, then I'm going to be fine with it. I'm not going to be one of those like people who are yelling about it. It wasn't canon and, you know, what cameos there are. Because i got to be honest, I probably wouldn't know most of them. So uh, mm. I'm going in and just hoping it's going to be an entertaining show. Mm. March 4th is when the Batman comes out. So thank you for bringing that up, Eric, because I didn't realize it was that close. Go ahead, oh, Dave. close. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, man, I, I'm, I think Eric said it best. Like, it could be, at least entertainment-wise, down to movies and things like that. It could be the first year in almost three years that we've actually had a full time able to enjoy the things. And mm. all so, uh, that. It, it'll be fun. It really, it really will be. And, like, the Batman I want to see. Um, Doctor Strange, I... Can't wait to see that. That that, that last trailer. Well, I know we talked about it already, but holy shit, that looks that movie looks like it's going to be insane. The world that's going to open up for Marvel is just uh, it's exciting to think about. I it's the the stories are endless for Marvel. Like I mean, like I said, I think I said this to you guys the other day. My friend's girlfriend asked me like, when does too, when does it become too much? And I'm like, that's the that's the problem. It's it's hard for it to become too much because so many stories that they can tell each character, and then not, you can top that off with all the stories that they can tell when the characters get together and work together. So it's like, I'm like, they haven't even introduced them. and the Fantastic Four, like some of the biggest names in their arsenal, haven't even been introduced yet. Like that's that's insane. Yeah, I think it, I, I think the whole factor of like too much and I'll go back to something that you haven't heard too much about recently, but is always a topic, comic book movie fatigue. I don't think any of those things really set in until the quality of the product is so bad that it sours you on what comes next. And I think as long as the stuff they put out is quality, like the last Spider-Man movie, It'll always leave you wanting more. And comic book fatigue as a whole, I, and fatigue of any genre, really only happens when the quality starts getting subpar. Well, think about it. That's the one thing Marvel does really well, is technically the Doctor Strange movie 
is going to be the only the second movie that he's supposed to be the main character. And the last one came out in 2016. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. you look at the Iron Man movies, even they were at least three years apart from each other. You look at the Thor movies, they were at least three years apart for each other. So, like, it, like that's the big issue. Like you said, the genre, yes, but it's really kind of like, when do you start getting tired of the character? When do you feel like it's like, all right, bring this full circle, let's wrap this up, compared to the fact that, like, you know, you've seen Doctor Strange in Endgame. You saw him in Infinity War. And then a lot after Infinity War, you didn't see him until the second Spider-Man movie that came out four years later. No. So, like, they do a very good job of keeping the characters themselves spaced out so that you don't sit there and you're like, oh, my God, I'm just tired of seeing this guy. That's why people got so upset when Tony Stark died. Like, you don't they do a great job of keeping those characters spaced out and that's why i know a lot of people that aren't actually excited for the new batman movie they're like jesus christ how many fucking batmans are there like in our lifetime this will be the sixth seventh guy to play batman it'll be the fourth or fifth solo batman movie Whoa. oh jeez um well you had the three Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher ones, fourth if you count Batman and Robin. Then you had the three Nolan ones. Then you had the Ben Affleck Batman in Batman versus Superman. So what is that? That's three, four, five, sixth live action Batman. Seventh if you count the animated one that had Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And eighth if you Huh? Don't forget. Oh, Justice, Justice, Justice League. Yes, yeah, still Ben Affleck. And I would say eighth if you count the Adam West Batman, which I think we all grew up on in some capacity. So, why do you, that's why a lot of people aren't like overly thrilled about the new Batman movie because they're like, oh, great, another guy playing Batman. Mm. So, I'm still hyped for or saturation of a specific character. I mean, superhero movies have done good since the night, you know, the nineties. I mean, let's be honest here. Um, I mean, hell, the Blade movies don't even get the respect that they need, and Wesley Snipes is a monster in those. Uh, you know, I still never saw those. Oh, I love the Blade movies. My parents not- were fans of those. I wasn't. I mean, I not that I wasn't. I just didn't get into them. Yeah, I'm not like a vampire guy. I just, I Blade was badass. I, I I like Wesley Snipes. I've always liked Snipes. What do you say, uh, Eric? Oh, sorry, Dave. I, I enjoyed those movies. I think you should go watch them. <laughs> if you don't want to watch the other two, fine. The second one was still really good. The third one kind of, you're like, all right, like really. Um, but the first one w- is 100% worth watching. Uh, after that one, you can decide if you want to see the second one. But they leave you with a nice cliffhanger at the end of the first one that really kind of mm-hmm. get you I'm sure you guys have had all, heard all the stories that came out of that third one, right? Where Snipes was so pissed off at the director, he almost refused out of, to come out of his trailer. He only he only called himself Blade. He didn't answer to Wesley Snipes. There have been a whole bunch of stories that came out of that third one. Uh, I'd never heard any of those. I just know Ryan Reynolds is pretty funny in it. But all in all, it's definitely not their best one out of the three. 
Look, go to YouTube, look up Patton Oswald Blade. Because I think a lot of the stories about that movie came out of that interview. So, all right. Uh, I don't know if, does anybody have anything else they'd like to bring up tonight? That's all I got for you. Dave? Uh, that, that would be uh, Oscar Road for me, my friend. All right. I think that will end it for us here tonight then. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening to us on all our various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening. Let's do some final thoughts here. Always a pleasure to be doing this with you guys here. Dave Hastings. Um, so first and foremost, if you believe in praying, send your prayers to uh, Dick Vitale. Um, he's been dealing with a lot of surgeries over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, he's, he's not losing his battle with cancer, but it, it's been a hell of a fight and given all he's got. So if you pray, send your prayers to Dick Vitale. Um, and on a lighter note, uh, this is probably the only time in our, no, this is 100% the only time in our lifetimes that you will have the uh, pandering or pandroman or whatever the hell it's called. And, four other freaking things with the date so happy 2 22 it looks the same left to right right to left if you add a zero something <laughs> off of european calendars and how they do their dates or if you flip it upside down doesn't matter it looks exactly the same only time this will happen in our lifetime so hopefully uh it's been a good day for you and uh, a good rest of the evening so on a lighter note i'll, I'll end with that fair enough thanks dave thanks dave Go ahead, Eric. Eric Tressler, everybody. Uh-oh. Where's Eric? Out, Where's Mike. Eric? You didn't cut out. I, I, yeah. Did Eric cut out? Uh oh. I can't. We can't end a show without the word. Yeah, I. I don't want to do. I don't want to end the show without Eric saying saying his his trademark. Let me. Uh, let me try texting him. See if uh, something went wrong. Uh, excellent now. Sorry about that, fellas. Man. Okay, I'm Eric back. Tressler. I'm back. Stay sweaty until next week. Get going on some college basketball. Watch a little hockey if you get a chance. Baseball, let's go. Let's get a deal done. Hopefully, by this time next week, it will be the first of March, I believe. And the deadline is the 28th, so we'll be past the deadline by the next time we talk, so let's hope we get a deal done. Fingers crossed, man. And stay sweaty, my friend, yes. And I am Mike Agley. Yep. And I am Mike Agley, Laura. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you all next week.